Adult Selling with Stephanie and Anna Scheller. This is the third episode in a mini-series about how to handle objections. In the first two episodes, we discussed how a change in perspective, how kind of stepping back a little bit helps you to answer objections, and that objections really are not a customer's way of saying no. Rather, they're a customer's way of saying, I need help to make a decision. We talked about the importance of asking good questions as well as using stories that relate to your customer. In this third episode, we will go over a quick recap of what the sales process for answering objections, and then we're going to talk about that crucial, crucial step that most people forget or choose not to do because they've already gotten a no. Listen carefully. We'll be back. So, Stephanie, we are continuing our series on handling objections, maybe answering objections, because handling can almost sound like, you know, uh, taking a tennis racket and hitting a ball or something, you know? Right. So, uh, we've been talking about various aspects of objections, and we alluded to this in our previous episode. Let's talk about the process of actually answering an objection. Because what most often happens when somebody says, well, you're too expensive, or I have to talk to my partner, or um, I need to think about it. What is our immediate response and what do we need to do instead? Well, our immediate response is to back away from the conflict for the most part. Most of us have been trained to back away from conflict, to not, you know, so when someone's like, well, I got to talk to my spouse, even though for the most part, we know that that's an excuse and that's not really a good sign for whether or not they're interested in buying the product at that point. We're just like, okay. I mean, if it was all I knew how to do, it was just like someone would go, I got to talk to my business partner. All right. Well, when did you want to talk to him? I'll get back with you. Like there, I didn't have any answer. I was just, it was just like, was a complete, like take the wind out of your sails, deflate, defeated, you know, deflate. It sucked. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people do that when they get the objection, they don't know what to do with it. They just kind of have this. All right. Well, that one didn't work. And the reality is, you know, first of all, it takes a second to figure out how to respond uh, if it's if it's an objection you haven't heard before, right? So suddenly, you know, trying to cope with your response on the fly very rarely works. Um, but the the first thing that I always encourage people to do. So the process we teach everyone. Uh, you and I can't. I don't remember we were working on this. We were working for the two hour the two day scripting seminar, and we came up with this. And I, I don't remember if you came up with it and brought it to me. Maybe you remember, or I remember. So the first thing you do. So there's a couple of things. One is take a moment to pause. Here's why. If you give me an objection and I immediately have a response, it can almost seem like I'm pouncing, you know? Right. And that can come out of fear, desperation, neediness, uh, need for significance, whatever you want to say. And so the first thing you want to do is pause. And this is something um, I'm going to go ahead and share this book. Uh, this is Jeb Blunt's book about objections. And he says, he calls it, he calls it coming off the ledge, take mm -hmm. a breath and then agree with the client. So our first, our first response is more likely to be, well, what do you mean? Or, um, yeah. you know, my competitors to, to get into a debate, but, and I think we or talked about this in a previous price. episode. Hmm? 
or to start dropping the price. Someone says, oh, it's too expensive. Oh, well, you know, I could take these things off and, you know, we could get it anyway. Is that the price range you were looking for? Like, well, you just gave away all your yeah, leverage. You, Calm down, oh, Yeah, you just have to be careful about being too quick to, too desperate for the sale. Yeah. So, um, the other thing I think people, so, so, so pause. One, that lets them know you're considering their statement. Right. You know, you're not going to come up with this pat answer. The other things, well, let's face it, you know, if, if you're too quick to answer, um, then they know you're not paying attention. You're just, you're just ready to interrupt them with what you have to say. Um, the, but the other thing is to agree with them because it does two things. One, it helps them come down. We talked about that in a previous episode. And two, right. it helps us to come down. Now, here's something I think I was enlightened. Again, I'm going to run back to Jeb and just talk about his book for a second here. But oftentimes, objections are simply habits we have, especially if somebody's been after you for a while. Right. So I actually today had that happen to me where um, I picked up the phone. It was a phone number. I thought, oh, this could be a client. So I picked up the phone and it was some solicitation for some kind of, of firefighters or police fund or something like that. And first of all, the guy launched into a spiel. So it honestly took me a few minutes to think, how can I get this person off the phone? <laughs> and so he went on for, I would say, a good 30 seconds. And, <laughs> and then, I know this has happened to you. And then I said, um, excuse me, excuse me excuse me, sir. So it took me three times to interrupt the flow of conversation. His little it wasn't a conversation. That was a monologue. Yeah, it was a script. It was a script he was reading. And I said, sir, I am in the middle of work today. And if you want to talk to me, call me back in a month. So I know he will. So I'll expect that phone call. But right then and there to interrupt my day. And by the way, when you're prospecting, when you're in these situations, you are interrupting. That's why you have to provide, this guy did a poor job. He launched into his spiel and, you know, he didn't ask me, hey, Anna, um, I know you've donated to this before. Is this a good time for us to chat? Mm -hmm. No, he immediately jumped into his thing. So not only was he interrupting, I don't mind if somebody says, hey, uh, do you have a few minutes? I'd like to talk to you about this. But the guy just immediately launched. So the, the issue was he, he wasn't listening. Exactly. I mean, you know, he's not listening because he didn't even bother asking any questions. So basically what he said was, I don't give a crap what you have to say, Ms. Scheller. <laughs> All I care about is how freaking fantastic I sound on the phone right now. And I probably don't even care about that. Let's be real because I'm so busy reading a script. Nobody wants to engage with that. No, but here's what happens when we get into objections. Scripts are valuable. So I really encourage scripts. But... But, but, but the value comes in asking questions to investigate and listen. You have to. So you, that's where the scripting comes in. You want to have, you know what the regular objections are in your industry. And I can tell you probably 95% of the objections people hear are some form of what? I want to think about it. It's too expensive. I got to talk to a spouse. I need a break. You know, whatever. 
So the first thing when you get the objections is agree. You're like, you know, and you don't necessarily have to say you're right. You should talk to your spouse. But you sit there and you say, you know what? Hey, I have a lot of appreciation and a lot of respect for the fact that you want to rope your spouse in on this conversation because I think that it shows how strong of a relationship the two of you have. Can I ask you a quick question, right? So the next step after you agree is ask questions. Get more information because a lot of times, like, like you were saying, Anna, they're going into, you know, they're going into their habit. Ah, I, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have interest. I don't have money. I don't have whatever, right? I don't have the decision-making yep. power. And it's just an excuse. And so start to collect information. Well, what is it that you're worried about? Because most, most spouses, let's be real, have the ability to make m some decisions at least on their own, right? You know, if you're, if you're asking, you're asking a spouse to buy a, a timeshare, you know, they probably are going to rope their, their partner in on that conversation, but you're asking them to buy a vacuum. They, they may not need to get a partner roped in on that conversation. So you know when it is feasible that they need to talk to the spouse and when they could be BSing you. So start asking more questions. Let me ask you this. You know, you know your spouse pretty well, I would assume. Um, what, are you, what are their thoughts on buying a new vacuum? You know? And then shut up. <laughs> so it's pretty clear. Um, because here's the other thing. If we haven't trained ourselves to calm down, what's going to happen is, is our, br our brain is racing to come up with a rebuttal. And we yeah. really, really have to train ourselves to, to listen because the first question may not get you the answer you need. The second question may not give you the answer you need. It may take three, four, or possibly even five questions to get to the root cause of why they're not willing to move forward and the value you need to present. So you have to be very patient. You have to be willing to ask the questions and you have to be willing to listen. So right. you pause, you agree with the client and then you start to ask questions to learn what is really the objection. So mm -hmm. some people would say, you know, I understand if your spouse was here, what do you think they would say? Well, maybe what has happened is they have purchased the person you're talking to went out, made a decision and did not involve the spouse and the decision went sour. See, now you, you can, wow, tell me more about that situation. I'm really interested. And then you listen, they're going to give you clues that will help you close the sale. Then the next step is you want well, so to educate this them. Point, this is where, you know, so especially I did, I had an instance where the lady told me, she said, you know, I just spent, I spent money on something like this about six months ago. We spent, we spent $6,000 on buying into a program like this and it didn't go anywhere. And my husband's still giving me a hard time for this. And so what I, what I did then at that point was I said, okay, well, let's talk about that other program. Let's see where some of the similarities and differences are. Because then it started to make her feel comfortable with, okay, well, let's figure out why, you know, what, where, where, the, so I can go to my spouse and say, hey, I'm looking at this program. I really want it. Here's all the ways it's different from the last one, right? This is why it's not going to be such a flop as the last one. So it makes her more comfortable. And actually what ended up happening was she ended up being more comfortable just talking through it. She actually called her, the, the guy I thought was the janitor ended up being her husband. She called him over and, and he joined the conversation. But she needed that comfort level to be able to go to him and say, hey, 
this is different than the last one I tried to show you that, you know, screwed us over. And so asking those questions allows you to get to the root issue, right? She was not comfortable talking to her spouse about it. She was never going to talk to her spouse. She could say she was going to talk to her spouse all day long. She was never going to bring it up. I would have called her back a week later and she would have said, oh yeah, I spoke with him. He said no, because she was too embarrassed to bring it up. And so by figuring that out, I was able to then address. And so then it goes into what I think you were about to go into when I got all excited, which is the education portion, helping them out with seeing, okay, hey, here's the differences. Here's why this doesn't fall into that same category. Or here's why you're saying it's too expensive, but you know, in all reality, let's, let's compare where the market's at. Let's talk through this. And so now you can address what the real true objection is that, that's holding them back. And at that point, that's where you need to spend time and you have to know your product well enough and you have to know the benefits that your, your customer is looking for in order to re-educate them on the benefits that they will enjoy as a result of using your product. So think about mm -hmm. this for a moment. What are the most powerful words that people hear? Do you know? Their name, right? Well, yes, their name. Very good. Yes. But that wasn't what I was looking for. So, okay. Well, I guess. I gave, it, I gave it the old college try. You did. But when people hear their own words repeated back to them, it resonates. So earlier, mm. when you were talking about this, you were, you were talking about how frustrated you've been at not making enough sales with this particular product, or you feel lost because you really have had no direction, the books haven't. And so here's what we can do. The, what, by moving forward with this program, this is how we're gonna help you resolve that frustration. You're gonna get hand-holding, you're gonna get uh, this and everything that they've talked about. That's why it's really important to listen to what they're saying. Because if you're not listening, you don't know what's bothering them. You don't know what is necessary and important for them in order to move the conversation forward. Now, and I want to make a little caveat here, Stephanie. A lot of these things, especially if you're seasoned in sales, a lot of these things people address before they get to the ask. Mm -hmm. They do. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing though. We're not perfect and yeah. we don't always get to those things. So obviously, if you know, if you know, let's say price is going to be an issue, you can say up front before you even get started, you say, you know, one of the things I just want to be honest with you about, we do have people who get concerned about price. I'm going to let you know the price is the price. So when we mm -hmm. get to this point, I do, I want you to know the value we present to you is going to be more than worth the price, but I want you to know the price is the price. Now that may not be your exact wording, but you can start to answer some objections ahead of time. When it comes to, I have to have somebody there. When you set that appointment, what you do is you simply say, so um, will the decision makers be there? Who's the one that's going to be making the decision so that I can make sure they get the accurate information? Well, so these are things you can do ahead I want to of time. add into that one because I've learned, I personally don't often ask who's the decision maker because um, a lot of times people will sit there and they'll say they're the decision maker, even if they're not, because uh, it, you put them in this crisis where they either have to admit that they're not as important as they want to believe they are to somewhat stranger 
or they have to lie to the stranger and it's easier to lie to the stranger than admit they're not important. So what I've found really helpful, especially when dealing with the complicated buying cycle is to ask people, you know, who was involved last time you made this purchase? What, what was the process for making this purchase? So then you can be like, oh, well, you know what? You said Maria really, really liked to be involved. Let's set up a meeting for you, me, and Maria to sit together so that Maria can ask all the questions she wants. And so it gets all the decision makers in the room. Um, that's just me personally. I've found that the, um, you know, are you the decision maker? Who's the, who is the decision maker question tends to get, um, tends to set people up to mislead me. I'm trying to think of a nice way to say that. Oh, yeah, I, I, there was a word that came forward that we do not use on this broadcast. This is a cuss-free broadcast, just saying. Oh, I didn't know this. I'm glad we established this one before we started recording. <laughs> so, so that is true. But, you, but, you, but that's why you listen. So getting back to educating, you have to educate the client in the terms they're looking for. And if you are good at listening and if you're good at asking questions, then my friend, you will know, you'll know mm -hmm. what to say. And so that's why I'm gonna tell you things like, I'm, I'm a big social media person. I love social media marketing. I do Twitter chats. I'm starting to become more into that role now. But here's the thing. You never close a deal over Twitter or text or mm -hmm. Facebook Messenger. So, mm -hmm. and that's why it's important to be face to face. You can see their face, you can see their body language. You can see if you're really hitting a home run or they're just spinning a yarn just to get you, get you off their back. Now, here's the good news. When people bring up objections, most often those people are actually thinking about moving forward because if they're not engaging you further in conversation, chances are they're not interested in working with you anyway. So they really do right. want you to help them make the decision to move forward with them. Otherwise they wouldn't be having the conversation with you. It's just that simple. Right. We only have uh, just a few minutes left or not even a few minutes, but the last most important thing is to ask again. Oh, I, that's so hard sometimes. You mean I have to ask again? They already said no once and you want me to try and get another one? Are you crazy? Uh, you don't ask, you don't get. It's a universal principle. You don't yeah. ask, you don't get. Matter of fact, we, had a, we just had a kickathon. I even offered to sponsor five kids. All they had to do was ask me. All they had to do was ask me. I was going to uh. sponsor each of them just $10. You know, not a, not a whoop de doo big deal. But they, I only won. Only one came to me. I'm like, I'm going to train that kid to sell for me because he asks, he understands. But this was a group of over 20 students. Mm -hmm. Only one, only one asked. We're afraid of the ask because we're afraid that we, we are going to get the no. But the reality is, well, you know what? I think we should actually do a third part to this entire thing and talk about the power of asking even after receiving that objection. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's good too. So what you want to do is you want to stay tuned and you want to be listening to the next episode of Black Belt Selling. And we want to thank you for being our listeners, our audience. We love having you. You are the reason that we are here. And so 
again, I want to thank you on behalf of Stephanie to, um, you know, sell well, sell well, and get out there and sell often. Don't be afraid, but do it. Just, as Nike would say, just do it. Just do it. So for Stephanie, I'm Anna. Thank you for joining us on Black Belt Selling.